In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, we just don't bring you thought leaders from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. The series is about the impact globalization, digital transition, the connect the world is having on our organization, and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from big issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we're on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify, just put in Leadership Beyond Borders and you will find us on the web. Now, I invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to the website leadershipbeyondborders.net. And let me know what you want to hear about on this show. Now, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today's really interesting subject. You know, there are hundreds of maybe thousands of leadership books on the net, and they're in bookstores and the libraries. And as leaders, we sometimes seek out a few to expand our horizons. But there is also another way to expand our leadership understanding, and that is to take a look at history. The best leaders multiply their experiences by learning from others. They study the successes and failures of past and contemporary leaders and reflect on what they can learn from them. This combined with personal experience can produce great leadership learnings and can help us develop better leadership qualities. In this episode today, we're going to talk with a leadership expert and we're going to look at some leadership stories, some great military and political leaders in history and focus on what we can learn from them and how we can apply this to our leadership skills today. And our guest today is Chris Colenda and he's the founder of Strategic Leadership. Academy and the author of Leadership, the Warrior's Art, which is available on Amazon. Leadership, the Warrior's Art is a trusted anthology that's been in print for over 20 years and helped tens of thousands of leaders succeed in combat and business. His unique warrior diplomacy has been featured in the New York Times, best-selling books and media outlets, for example, the Wall Street Journal, The Economist, The New York Times, and The Washington Post. Chris works with leaders who want to apply insights from history and military operations to transform their businesses. As a West Point graduate and a Rex combat leader and retired army colonel, he's defied conventional wisdom in Afghanistan by motivating a large insurgent group to switch sides, the only example of such success in a 20-year history of the war. He holds a PhD in war studies from King's College London and is the author of another book, Zero Sum Victory, What We're Getting Wrong About War. So Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Kimberly. I'm uh, delighted to be here. Yeah, it, it's really great to have you. And I'm, I, you know, I have to say to my readers, I, I've read your book, and it, it's, it's really insightful. And I want to, I kind of want to start out. Um, you know, what made you write the book in the first place? Well, as you mentioned, it was, it's been in print for over twenty years, which is, I'm just very grateful for. I originally wrote it in 2001. At the time, I was. When I was putting it together, I was a captain. I was teaching in the Department of History at West Point. And when I was in graduate school, I was looking at the bookshelves. I've been a student of leadership for my whole career. And there just wasn't really much in the military Mm -hmm. on the leadership bookshelves. And I thought, yeah, I think I could help here. 
and I'm I'm surrounded by a bunch of really high quality leaders here at the at the academy. So, so I asked a bunch of people if they would be willing to contribute chapters, and they did, and that was very selective in who contributed, and put the book together. And I mean, we've had over sixty thousand people use it for their leader development programs. And in 2021, I contacted the publisher and we talked and said, you know, a lot's changed since 2001. We've had the wars, the global war on terror. Um, the military has overturned its don't ask, don't tell policy. Mm-hmm. All combat specialties in the military and all branches are now open to women and men alike. And, and so there's no more combat exclusion. We thought, let's let's update the book to take into account all of these changes. And so the second edition came out in October of 2021. And, uh, and so my, our goal is that it's going to be as relevant for the next 20 years as it was the previous. Yeah. And you're right. The, tw- the 20 years between 2001 and 2021 changed. I mean, and um, it's great to bring the book back out and up to date. But I want I want to start with the book. You don't, I, I, you know, you start way back in history, okay? When we first start the book, you start talking about Greek and Roman philosophers and how they developed the art of leadership based on persuasion. And I never thought about that until I read your book. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Leadership is really about inspiring people to contribute their best to your organization's success. At the end of the day, that's what it is. And and each element of that definition is is vital. The first is about inspiring. And and by inspiring, I don't mean Mm rah-rah. I mean you're persuading people to contribute their discretionary effort, effort that they don't have to contribute, but they do so voluntarily. Uh, second, they you know they uh, contribute their their best, their best selves. Uh, they contribute their superpowers to for a purpose, which is for the organization's success. And so that's what the ancient Greeks and Romans were all talking about in terms of leadership. I mean, five minutes after they invented democracy, they invented <laughs> the uh, they invented the the language of leadership and persuasion. And so you see that in uh, in Plato and Aristotle, uh, Socrates, Cicero, many of the great thinkers and and leaders were talking about how do how do we persuade free people to give their discretionary effort on behalf of the city state on behalf of the uh, the republic. And and so that's where leadership was invented, right there in the Western world, at least. You see much of that similar thinking in uh, in the Far East. Uh, Sun Tzu, Confucius, other thinkers um, have all hit on this varieties of the same theme, which is leadership is really about uh, persuasion and inspiration, and not about coercion. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that, that was a fantastic way to start the book. And then, you know, we, we take that, taking that a step further, okay? Um, you know, if you're looking at the philosophers and the thinkers, I, I mean, back then, but there was also a lot going on and there were a lot of wars and there were a lot of decisions that had to be made. So how did how did these leaders balance that, that precision with kind of the military action of quick decisions being made, stress in the field. How, how did they balance that? Well, one of the ways they they did that is there's an ancient Greek concept called arete. And it's a combination. It means excellence mm-hmm. in Aristotle's writing. And it's a combination of character and competence and I'll add a third C, which is which is caring, and that really forms the foundation of trust for any relationship between leader and led. So, and you've got to have all three. If you are missing the caring part, then people are not going to trust a leader's motives. When a leader gives somebody feedback, for instance, if they're convinced that the leader doesn't care about them, then they might look at feedback as a personal attack or as an example of, well, this person just doesn't like me and that's why they're giving me this constructive criticism. Uh, 
<laughs> if you are missing the competence component, then people just simply aren't going to believe in the direction that you want them to go if they question your competence. And if they question your character, they're not going to believe in your motives. So they're going to suspect your motives. And that's a lot about what the ancient Greeks were uh, were we're writing about is the importance of having these these elements in what truly constitutes good leadership and and more broadly when you look at how we in 2000 years later become better leaders you've really got to look at it from three perspectives uh, through theory history and experience and you mentioned a bit of that in in the introduction if you if you have a lot of uh, read a lot of leadership theory, you have some personal experience, but you don't have historical background. You're not le- reading about leaders and challenges throughout history. Then you're gonna you're gonna be trapped in the sort of present uh, presentism. Uh, you're gonna lack perspective. And as you mentioned, the ancient Greeks and Romans, in this case, they were dealing with wars. They were dealing with pandemics. They were dealing mm-hmm political demagogues, uh, divisiveness, and a lot of the challenges that we found ourselves dealing with today, that leaders deal with today. And so historical leaders will give us some perspective that, number one, these problems aren't new. And number two, there are are better ways than others of dealing with these challenges. Mm -hmm. If you have you know, theory and history, but you lack experience, then you're into ivory tower sort of solutions. It's kind of like trying to bake breakfast with a chocolate frying pan. You know, it's, it's a mess. Um, and then if you lack theory, then you are are going to not have the big ideas that you need to innovate. And so you're going to be in a sort of tactical hamster wheel. So you've, you've got to have all three. And uh, that's why education for the ancient Greeks and Romans were, were, was so important, and and you know how they viewed practical education was having all three in place. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean that makes a lot of sense. And I liked what you said about you know kind of if, if you know uh, if you only live in the present, you know there's so much we can learn you know from from the past that that um, these three you know theory, history, and experience put together can help leaders grow. Um, with that, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break. And when we come back, what I want to do is talk about some examples, okay? Because you've got some some fantastic examples of what we can really learn from history in your book. And I want to want to kind of dive into a few of those when we come back. And for our listeners, we are, are talking with Chris Colinda, and he's the founder of Strategic Leaders Academy and the author of Leadership, the Warrior's Art. It's available, the new edition that came out in September 2021 is available on Amazon. And uh, this is a great book um, that has helped thousands of leaders succeed in both business and combat. And Chris works with leaders who want to apply insights from history and military operations to transform their businesses. HD in war studies from King's College, London, and is the author of another book, Zero Sum Victory, What We're Getting Wrong About War. Now, if you'd like to learn more about his Strategic Leaders Academy, you can go to strategicleadersacademy.com. And if you'd like to reach out to Chris on Twitter, he is under at Chris underscore Colenda, and that's Colenda with a K. And on LinkedIn, he's under Chris Colenda. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's largest nonprofit associations supporting small and medium businesses throughout Europe. They hold trainings, conferences, do market research and legislative white papers focused on digital. And they also have a learning series on Thursdays at 1700 CET. And they hold a conference and their next conference is going to be in Porto, Portugal, October 22nd to 25th. They also have an e-learning platform for founders, and you can look that up under www.cinda.org, and it's free for entrepreneurs and founders, and it helps them go from idea conception to exit. So please look that up. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. 
Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, and today we're speaking with Chris Colinda, and he's the founder of Strategic Leaders Academy and the author of Leadership, the Warrior's Art. And uh, Chris works with leaders who want to apply insights from history and military operations to transform their businesses. He holds a PhD in war studies from King's College London and is the author of another book also, Zero Sum Victory, What We're Getting Wrong About War. And what we're talking about today is what we can learn from history and from military history, especially about leadership. So, so Chris, um, in your book, you give some examples. I mean, we can learn so much from the past. And um, you had a couple case studies. And I'd like to just, I'll let you pick one that you like. Um, I, I kind of liked Alexander the Great that you did. But anything you do, what can you just give us somebody from history whose name will be familiar to us and maybe what we could learn from that? Sure, and Alexander the Great is a wonderful example. And there's a lot we can learn from Alexander, both both good and and not so good. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things that really struck me about Alexander, and it's something that leaders today struggle with, is is how do you gain buy-in mm-hmm. from a very diverse workforce. And Alexander had a very diverse workforce, particularly as he is going on his, as he's expanding his empire, his his workforce, his employees are getting more and more diverse, uh, n- not just in terms of, of their their ethnic groups and backgrounds, but also how they think. And, and, and so gaining and maintaining buy-in was a was a struggle for Alexander and but he also recognized it was vital for the success of his of his empire and his his uh, his government and so when you when you look at buy-in and you look at how Alexander did it there there are really three components to gaining buy-in the first one is people have to have clarity about what they're buying into and and Alexander was very good at how he communicated his vision, how he communicated the his game plan, his strategy for whether it's military operations or political operations. Second is you've got to have you've got to tap into people's self-interest. Mm-hmm. You know, people are going to 
to give their discretionary effort when they they believe it's in their interest to do so. And then third is uh, confidence. So people have to have confidence that what they're buying into is actually going to work. And and so for Alexander, he was able to bring these three components together very successfully for his conquests all the way up to the up to the Indus River. And at the Indus River, something very interesting happened where his his subordinates said, Alexander, uh, we are we're tired and we don't know when these conquests are ever going to end. And if you if you order us to go, then we'll keep going. We'll keep fighting. But if you can't persuade us to continue, then you've got to turn back. Uh, but, but again, if you order us to go, we'll comply. Mm-hmm. What's happening there is his subordinates are saying, Alexander, if, if you're going to lead like a Greek, then you have to persuade us of the wisdom of going on. But right now we don't see it as in our interests. If you are going to lead like a tyrant – then you can force us to go and 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 we'll go if you force us to do so but just know that you're being a tyrant and no longer being a leader and and so what alexander had begun to lose in his army was was the enlightened self-interest they just didn't see it as continuing conquest as as in their interest and ultimately alexander had to turn back so for leaders today you can use these three i work with leaders all the time and help them organize these three elements how do you how do you create clarity so people know what they're buying into um how do you help people how do you understand people's self-interest and so you can you can update you can modify your plans so that people believe that they're better off and then how do you create confidence, especially when you are wanting to to manage change, when you're asking people to do something differently? How do you create confidence that the future is going to be better than the status? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I want to stay in the clarity for a minute, because to, if I'm taking that lesson from from there to, to today, um, especially when we look at larger organizations, okay, Um there's very often that lack of clarity, Chris. Okay, you know it. It may there may be some in the boardroom, but by the time it cascades down into you know the the people who are actually carrying out the work, it gets lost. How do how do we improve that and ensure that that gets castigated? And I'm sure it's the same thing in military. You have you know uh, the 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 head of the 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 general, their colonel or whoever, and then it goes down to the person in the field. Sorry, I'm not a real versed in military language, okay, but you know, uh, and it can, and it cascades down. How do you get that clarity? Yeah, well you're exactly right. I like to say that there's no such thing as military leadership. (laughs) There's just leadership and it's applied in different contexts. The military is one context and business is a different one, but you you have a lot of problems that rhyme and what we call in America, the game of telephone, where you have a string of people lined up next to each other and the first person tells something to the second person who tells the same thing to the third person. By the time you get to person number 30, the message is completely different. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's what you're describing. And it happens, it happens all the time. It happens in particular in the, uh, the refraction zone. I like to call it between the senior management, uh, the middle management's kind of the refraction zone is where a lot of these things tend to get uh, distorted. So I, I give leaders a few tools to to improve clarity. The first one is to give, give guidance using the four W's. Mm-hmm. So the four W's is who, so who's responsible, what, what you want them to do, why, what are the results and outcomes you want them to achieve by doing a certain task, and, and by when. So those are the four W's. To, to add clarity to the why, I encourage leaders to use the terms so that mm-hmm. when they're describing the why. Because when you force yourself, when you discipline yourself to say, here's what I want you to do so that you get these results and outcomes, uh, the so that is a great way to make sure that you are including the why in your guidance. So the four W's 
uh, including the so that is is one way help leaders achieve clarity. The the second one I'll offer to the audience is is the three A's. So particularly when you're describing values and expectations, paint the picture in terms of the three A's. So what is first A, what does acceptable look like? So in terms of following this value, in terms of meeting these expectations, what does acceptable look like? Everybody's got to have a clear picture of that. The second A stands for awesome. So what does awesome look like? What is above and beyond look like that we'd recognize as awesome? And then the third A is awful. What does awful look like? And when you can take a given value or expectation and you can paint the three A's so people have a very clear vision of what those are, then you are going to have the kind of clarity that can stand the test of the telephone tag game or the organizational chart game. And then finally, you've got to be able to, if you can describe what you want so clearly that an eight-year-old can understand it and say it back to you, then you're probably going to be clear enough that uh, it'll withstand the, the test of the organizational chart. Mm-hmm. I, I like these three A's because I, I, I think they could be – they're also very good like in, in you know, um, job expectations or performance evaluation you know, because we all set, tend to be a little bit waffly there, you know, uh, mm-hmm. oh, it's pretty good, you know. But if you can describe the acceptable, awesome, and awful, I think that's, that, that's a really great tip. I like that one too yeah. um, and to getting to do with the clarity, yeah. No, yeah. I, I just uh, – you know, because that's – always when I look at big large organizations that's always thing that kind of sticks in my mind you know um, and you're right in the military it's from whoever's leading to the per- guy on the ground to you know as an organization to the person you know that clarity is so important but I, I have a question Chris so I, I don't want to you know this is really super in in, in organizations and it was a really nice what we could learn from Alexander what you know, we have we also have bad leaders, and I'm sure there's lessons to learn from that. I mean, is you know, you, in your book you talk about Stalin, Mao, Leopold. Um, what can we take away by looking at leaders who were not so uh, successful or productive? Sure, I mean, some of the things that you can take away from from bad leaders is. What not essentially what not what to, not to do. <laughs> to, you know, what not to do. So for <laughs> instance, when you when you look at the you know, the the three circle Venn diagram, uh, mm-hmm. you know, clarity, enlightened self-interest, and confidence. I mean, when when Alexander um when Alexander essentially pushed too far and was forcing people, he had to re- he had to start relying on coercion to get his way uh, it's it's because he had he had lost the he had lost the buy-in of of his of his organization of his of his leaders and and you know he was perfectly clear what he wanted them to do they had a tremendous amount of confidence that they could accomplish what they wanted uh, but where things fell down was was in um, enlightened self-interest and that's uh, and that mm-hmm. That is what sort of unraveled his, uh, or at least stopped him at the end, is because nobody else was going to going to stop him, but his subordinates did. When you look at other organizations that tend to spin their wheels a lot, then the the problem is is clarity, and and so people will have a lot of confusion. They'll have a lot of uh, frustration. When, when there's not clarity. And you mentioned the three A's. I mean, one of the great uses for the three A's in the hiring process is, is to ask your employee or the prospect, can you see yourself in, in acceptable? Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that seem like you? Can you see yourself on occasion achieving awesome? Or do you see yourself mostly in awful? And, and so the people who see themselves mostly in awful are, are just going to self-select out. The people mm-hmm. who are going to see themselves in acceptable and and awesome are going to self-select in because they want to be with people who share their workplace uh, workplace behavior. And then finally, there's a there's a 
a chapter on the U.S. Army in the First World War. And the U.S. Army was not particularly good at training their junior leaders during the First World War. And so you had a lot of problems with morale and and of course, a heavy toll on casualties because people just simply lack the confidence in mm-hmm. leaders. And, and so you can look at some of these examples of bad leadership and look at where in terms of buy-in, in terms of trust, in terms of accountability, that people are falling short and then uh, determine ways that we can we can do better ourselves and, and learn from those uh, experiences too. Yeah. And um, I, I want to come back to that. We're going to take another break. And when we come back, I want to talk about training and talk about, you know, actually, you know, how to how we get people to get confidence. And, you know, especially when we're in very difficult times, you know, making high risk decisions, or volatile situations, you know, how we get how we get our people to, you know, get confidence and how we can, you know, understand their self-interest. And we're going to talk about that when we get back. And for our uh, audience, we are talking with Chris Colinda, and he's the founder of Strategic Leaders Academy and the author of Leadership, the Warrior's Art. And he is also the author of another book, uh, Zero-Sum Victory, uh, What We're Getting Wrong About War. And uh, Chris works with leaders who want to apply insights from history and military operations to transfer their businesses. And he holds a PhD in war studies from King's College. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Strategic Leadership's Academy, that Leaders Academy, go to strategicleadersacademy.com. And if you'd like to reach out to Chris, you can go to Chris on Twitter under at Chris underscore Colenda. And that's Colenda with the K. And on LinkedIn under Chris Colenda. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, and support legislative white papers focused on helping small and medium businesses across Europe become digital. They also have a e learning platform that is for entrepreneurs and founders. It is a free platform that will take a founder from idea to exit. So to access that platform, please go to www.cinda.org under Cinda for Startups. And they also have conference, and the next conference is October 22nd to 25th in Porto, Portugal. To learn more about that, go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Calling all CFOs, finance, and risk professionals. Your call to action is to help your company achieve financial excellence. How? Master finance and risk management, efficiencies, and cost control, plus strategic decision-making to increase profitability by implementing game-changing technology advances such as machine learning and predictive capabilities, in-memory computing, analytics, plus mobile and cloud deployments, and more. Where? Learn from top thought leaders on financial excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When you put money in the bank or pay your insurance premium, they take that money and go buy real estate with it. Why? Because it gives the highest rate of return and is the lowest risk. This is called passive investing. Due to some recent changes in the laws, you can now invest the exact same way. Total Wealth Academy can show you how. Listen to the Passive Income Show every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America Business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. 
are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about leadership and what we can learn from history and what we can learn from some great leaders, um, contemporary and uh, ones that were around a long time ago. And we are talking with Chris Colenda. He's the founder of Strategic Leaders Academy and the author of Leadership, The Warrior's Art. And he is a best-selling uh, New York best-selling books, media outlets. He's been in the Wall Street Journal, The Economist, The New York Times, and The Wall Post. And he works with leaders across the world and, he, you know, focusing on what we can learn from history. So, Chris, we talked to, uh, we, before we took the break, you said, you, you gave this example of in World, in world War One, um, there was kind of a, a kind of a mistake on training junior leaders, okay? Um, is there anything we can learn from that on, on how we have to better train leaders today? The middle managers are often the forgotten group of, of leaders. And, and there's a peril to forgetting about your mid-level leaders because oftentimes they are the ones who have routine interface with your front line. And so if your mid-level leaders are not fully on board, if they're not bought in, if they don't have the skills to inspire people to contribute their best to the team's success, then you're often going to have the breakdown right there at that, at that level. And a lot of organizations will train their, their C-level C leaders and their senior leaders. They'll have emerging leader programs but they'll completely miss the boat on the mid-level managers. And, and, and so that's where you get a lot of these problems with the, the sort of refraction zone of the mid-layer mid when everything seems fine, everything's translating well as you're going down the organization, then you hit this middle layer and, and things get refracted in very different ways. And by the time it gets to the to the bottom of the organization, to the to the pointy end, then you have some you have something completely different. I mean, we experienced this in Afghanistan. I was a senior advisor to the four-star general in Afghanistan, and we were he wanted to take on this issue of civilian casualties because what civilian casualties were were doing, uh, both harming and killing Afghans. Afghan civilians, and then it would drive people into the arms of the Taliban, who would then attack our soldiers mm -hmm. and the Afghan government. And so, and so, reducing the civilian casualties in wars is uh, vital, both on a you know sort of moral and ethical plane, but also on a strategic plane. And and so he issued the the guidance about limiting civilian casualties, but he said, look, we can't. You still have to protect the force. I just want people to use their heads, you know, use your head before you drop a bomb. Mm -hmm. And as that got translated down, people began putting restrictions on how people used force. And, and eventually as it got down to the first line level where people are in actual firefights, they felt like their hands were tied behind their backs, which was not the general's intention. And, and so we had to kind of figure out where things were getting garbled in transmission. And it was at that, that sort of middle layer. So mm -hmm. this happens in the military. It happens in, in business. So training your mid-level leaders, giving them the kind of clarity that we talked about in the previous episode before the break, you know, with the four W's, the so that's, the three A's are among the techniques that you can use to make sure that your middle layers are on the right page and to test that you know, as things get to the to the pointy end where your where your people are meeting your customers uh, that those messages are crystal clear and consistent with what you aim for at the top 
Mm-hmm. And and I think you're right that clarity comes back because these guys are kind of like the the sandwich people. You know, they've got they've got the stuff above them, they've got the stuff below them, and um, if it gets lost in the middle, then it gets lost down, you know, to to their to their subordinates. So, I mean that that's that's really an important point. And um, you know, in your in your book, you you when we talk about these lessons and and that Afghanistan, World War One, Alexander the Great, it's all, you know, these are great lessons. And you talk about um, looking at this and looking at the history, you see that there are three ways that leaders may invertly sabotage their organizations. Okay. Um, you talk about, could you talk about that? Sure. There's, I mean, a lot of ways that leaders, can, <laughs> of course, can self-sabotage. Yeah, of course. <laughs> One of the things I like to do is help people understand to, to achieve big goals in, in yeah. the simplest ways possible. So I like to use Venn diagrams and uh, and double axis charts. I mean, so just to drill down on one ways that leaders self-sabotage is when they don't encourage disagreement. Mm-hmm. And when you think about whether it's raising problems or it's offering new ideas, trying new things. Those are all examples of, of disagreement because to, to try a new thing is to show disagreement with the status quo. To raise a problem is to show a disagreement with the status quo. And a lot of leaders who maybe lack self-confidence don't know how to encourage respectful disagreement. Mm-hmm. And and as a result, you'll get a lot of, of, uh, of chill in the organization. At the same time, as you want to encourage respectful disagreement, you have also got to give people the tools to be conflict confident, You're confident that they can raise issues and do so in a way that, uh, that makes them feel good. So if you take those two things on a double axis chart, so on the north-south axis would be uh, leaders creating a an environment that encourages respectful disagreement at the on the north-south. Mm-hmm. So either it does it well or does it poorly. And the east-west axis you have on one side conflict avoidance, but and conflict avoidant employees. On the other side you have conflict confident employees. So it creates your four quadrants. Um, if you have a situation where you're encouraging respectful disagreement but your employees are conflict avoidant, then you are going to get a lot of people self-censoring. An example of that is uh, Air France 447, where the the airplane was in trouble and the co-pilot knew what to do, but wouldn't raise the issue, wouldn't offer the recommendations to the pilot who was struggling. And eventually you had 200 and some odd people killed um, in, in the crash. Mm. Um, when you go to the lower left corner, you have a an environment where leaders are discouraging disagreement and you have conflict avoidant employees. Then you create a, a sort of false consensus. So if you ever saw the movie Legoland where people are saying everything is awesome, <laughs> but it really wasn't, um, that's what you get. You get kind of Legoland. Um, FTX. Uh, the cryptocurrency yep. company was a lot like that, where you had people really knew that things weren't quite right, but there was not an environment that encouraged people to speak up. And and eventually, I mean, people lost billions of dollars. Mm. Yeah. When you're in the lower right, you have uh, psychologically, you have you have people who are confident raising issues, confident speaking up, but leaders discourage that speaking up, then then you get a a chilled environment. So Korean Airlines 801 is is a sadly a, an example of this, where the co-pilot knew what to do, was speaking up, was offering the recommendations to the pilot, who was simply too proud to mm. take advice from the co-pilot. And again, hundreds of people lost their lives. Where where you want to be is in the upper right, where leaders are encouraging respectful disagreement and employees are confident that they'll speak up. And this is what I call psychological confidence. Mm-hmm. Toyota is a great example where they encourage their employees to, you know, to pull the pull the cord, 
so to speak, when they see a problem on the assembly line and they're celebrated for doing so. Even if maybe what they thought was a problem wasn't a problem, nobody's going to cut them off at the knees. They're going to celebrate the fact that they had the the courage and a confidence to pull the cord when they needed to. And Toyota remains one of the most successful companies today. So, yeah. uh, so those are some ways that leaders self-sabotage, uh, but also ways that leaders can create the kind of psychologically confident workplace where people are trying new things, they're innovating, and uh, and they're flagging problems as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a real, extremely great example. Um, I really like that. And, you know, it also, you know, when you look at this and you look at, the, you know, the clarity that you've talked about, the who, what, when, um, you've talked about this encouraging, you know, encouraging disagreement and, uh, you know, conflict confidence, um, it helps with the teams, okay? So just in, I, I just we're getting towards the end of the show, but I just would like you to say something about teams because we're talking about trying to build this culture and bring people together and have leaders bring them together so they work with one common goal. Um, what can we learn from history that that gives us some insights into teams and, and working teams to reach one common goal? Sure. One of the things you can learn is that there are four basic kinds of cultures in a that that you're you're going to wind up in, and and it's based on to what extent are people clear? Is there clarity about the organization's common good, your mission and vision, your goals and values, et cetera? And then to what extent is there buy-in? And again, that creates a double-axis chart where. Uh, when you have an organization that has high clarity but low buy-in, then you've got a compliance organization mm-hmm. and where leaders are solely focused on looking down, right? They're trying to make sure that their employees are doing their jobs, that they're compliant. And they have to do that because the employees don't have buy-in. And the result is leaders spend all their time supervising. They don't have the time to look up and out towards strategy and growth. And so a lot of these organizations get complacent and wind up failing. I mean, there's no reason why Sears couldn't have been Amazon, Mm -hmm. uh, but Sears got complacent. They did the same things over and over again and expected the same results until they got disrupted. Now they're out of business. Mm -hmm. Um, When you have a organization that has low levels of clarity and no buy-in, it's a chaotic organization where the <laughs> office alphas are sort of, they're doing their own things. You get these silos, you get fiefdoms that are ultimately going to create a situation where the hole in your company is less than the sum of its parts mm-hmm. and it's a toxic work environment. Um, the, the organizations that have high levels of buy-in but low clarity, I see this a lot in small businesses uh, where they maybe have a bunch of people who've gotten together they've known each other forever they have they they have an implicit understanding of the common good but they've never bothered to write it down and Mm -hmm. it works perfectly fine until they try to scale Mm -hmm. and or when some of those founding members leave and so what happens is this implied implicit understanding of the common good atrophies it erodes and you wind up backsliding into chaotic companies that try to grow through acquisition have this problem yeah Uh, where you want to be of course is in the upper right where you have high levels of clarity and high levels of buy-in and when you have that you can focus on strategy and growth because you know that your employees are doing the right things the right way without you having to watch yeah, it's, a, it's great. Um, yeah, great, great advice, Chris. I mean, we could go on forever with this. I and mean, we're getting towards the end of the show. So I kind of want to ask you, um, there's lots in your book, and I'm going to encourage all our readers to really, you know, get the book Leadership, the Warrior's Art by Chris Colenda. And one, one quick message, if you have one message to all our listeners, Chris, what would that be? Yeah, study leadership through your three perspectives, theory, history, and, and experience. Um, that's that's the way that, that you are going to grow. Uh, the best leaders have coaches. The best athletes in the world have coaches. And you need somebody who is going to help you think differently, who is going to help you gain new perspectives, and who's going to you know, bring in the fresh air. 
what you can't afford to do is just simply you know, what I call freebasing your own gunpowder. Uh, where you're <laughs> in this rarefied air, enjoying the smell of your own fumes, um, and that's that's consistently leads to to bad decisions and practices. So, bring people around you who are willing to tell you the truth and want what's best for you, and uh, you're going to continue growing and thriving as a leader. Great last words, and and I really like it. Theory, history, experience. Look, use those three to to help grow your leadership style, and to learn more about history, you can definitely get Chris's books. Um, one book, Leadership: The Warrior's Art, available on Amazon. Uh, the new edition came out in September 2021, and his other book, Zero Sum Victory: What We're Getting Wrong About War, which came out in 2021, also. Uh, and both of them are available on Amazon. And we've been speaking with Chris Colenda, and he's the founder of Strategic Leaders Academy. And if you'd like to learn more about Strategic Leaders Academy, you can go to www.strategicleadersacademy.com. Chris is also on Twitter under Chris underscore Colenda, and that's C-O-L-E-N-D-A. And he's also on LinkedIn under Chris Colenda. So please reach out to Chris and check out his website and go to Amazon and look for his books. And Chris, once again, thank you. It's been wonderful, really insightful. Thank you very much for having me on your program, Kimberly. It was been a joy. I enjoyed the conversation. Yes, it was a great, it was a great conversation and uh, two great books. And for our listeners, uh, don't forget tune in every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us, don't worry because we are on every major podcast platform. And please remember this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local source associations. They support SMBs throughout Europe, um, helping SMBs become digital. They have virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, and legislative white papers. So please learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. And with that, thank you for listening and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.